Kay Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Well, welcome Northridge Church to A Little Better. This is going to be a very special edition for a lot of reasons. First of all, we are recording remotely right now. The Northridge staff has officially moved toward remote work environments, so we're all in our homes, and (laughs) I currently have a blanket over my head. Yeah, Drew has a... Drew, yeah, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I'm in my master bedroom closet with all the doors locked and shut, so kids don't come in, and... Sounds apparently good in here, I guess. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to be making a lot of changes, and I want to just admit right off the bat, it probably doesn't sound all that great, so sorry about the poor audio quality, and also the inevitable things that will happen, Drew and I talking over each other, that kind of a thing. We are on Google Hangouts, so as we all know, that does not help produce a supernatural conversation. So we're going to do our best here. Sorry about that. Um, And on the elephant in the room, the big topic of the coronavirus, I just want to say um, this particular podcast that is not going to be focused on our church's response to the coronavirus or um, kind of like how we should be thinking about it or anything like that. We're really going to kind of keep it focused on the sermon because we're going to plan to record another podcast this week that will be centered on the coronavirus as a whole, how our church is responding, um, some cool stories that have come out of this, and even how you can invest, engage with this as a member of our church. So um, anyway, lots to come in that regard, and just wanted to let you know that it might feel like that's the most relevant thing, but we're going to focus on the sermon for now. So that's a little bit of housekeeping as we're getting started. But um, my goodness, the world has been a crazy place. Am I right, Drew? Yeah, I mean, it's it's gone it's just been crazy to watch. I mean, Thursday we're in my office meeting, like, yeah, we're going to have services. And then literally an hour later, we're like, okay, we're moving everything to online. I mean, everything is just day by day, second by second, hour by hour. Yeah. I'm it's not wild. A, I'm not a Twitter guy. I'm not really a social media guy at all, but I, I redownloaded Twitter cause I realized like whatever news sources I'm used to going to are not going to be fast enough. Like stuff is happening so fast. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting ride over the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, we just we just take it in one second at a time, rock and roll with all the changes that come. Yeah, so I just said we were going to talk about the coronavirus, and here we are already talking about the coronavirus. We can't stop. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, actually, I do have a question to kind of get us focused back in on the message, and that is... Um, we so this is the this is the message from the Sea of Galilee, and talking about how we need to choose um, faith over fear and trust over fear. How did a message that spot on perfect land on that day? You like walk us walk our our people through how our sermons are planned and how little we had to do with this all coming together. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a total God thing. I mean, as much as we want to take credit for it, we can't because, you know, we plan our sermon series a year out in advance, especially with something shot on site. There's just so many variables that we have to plan out and figure out. And so God just knows what he's doing. I mean, and it's just a reminder, again, this is why we choose faith over fear because God sees the end um, from the beginning. He knew this virus was coming before we even had a clue that we were going to be in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And so, you know, we're planned a year out and we we shot this series 
a, you know, a month in advance of this, maybe a month and a half. And so, you know, if you look back and you just see God's hand is just so faithful on our church. And man, I heard story after story of so many people on social media saying like, how in the world did you guys plan this? Yeah. The, (laughs) the funny thing is, of course we didn't plan it. And it was, as we were talking about it, it was almost like if we had a blank slate and it was just like, Hey, what would you want to talk about with this going on in our world? I think we might've picked this passage, right? (laughs) And I think three other, I think three other churches in the area picked that passage for the same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, this, this is a great example. You know, we talked about how God is sovereign and um, the work that we do. We, we, God is sovereign, but we have a role to play. It's like we made plans and we put stuff together, but we, there's no clue that we had no clue that something like this was going to happen. And so we we do our part. We try to be faithful in planning. And then God sometimes decides to bring everything together like this. <laughs> Yeah, God has the amazing ability of making us look a lot better than what we really are. It's just so true. And, you know, some people believe like uh, if you have a plan, the spirit can't move in a plan. Well, hey, we made a plan and I'm telling you this past weekend, the spirit moved in that plan. And so we often think like you have to be spontaneous to let the spirit lead. But I'm pretty sure the spirit can lead in our plans and make them so much better than what they really are. So true. So true. So um, as we're thinking about uh, that whole filming experience, you I mentioned this in the live chat on Sunday while we were all engaging, but um, that whole message on the boat was one continuous take, which I, that's going to sound like I'm going to ask you to brag, but I would like you to brag here for a second. Tell us what in the <laughs> world happened. That was like 15 minutes in a row of you talking. How did that work? You know, I always say I'm I'm better under pressure. And, you know, like in sports, I played sports. I'm, I was always the guy who was like, if there's free throws to win the game, just just give me the ball because I'm going to sink these two. And I know that sounds cocky, and it is a little cocky just for the record, um, but it's also confidence. You know, we talk about confidence. And, hey, we were on a boat, and we had about 15 minutes until they were going to drop us off. And the sun, you know, this is the thing a lot of people don't know about video shoots is like the sun plays a huge, uh, it can be a huge problem in videos. And so we tried the first take and the sun swirled around my face and I was like, Oh, that's not going to be good. And so they started up the boat and said, guys, we're going to be at, at the place in 15 minutes. You, you better nail us. And we were leaving the Galilee region the next day. So it was like, okay, Let's do it, you know. Free throw up, boom, game winner, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. I don't know if it was a game winner, but <laughs> you no. said to brag. You <laughs> said to brag. Very good point. Very good point. Um, no, that was it. Was a great moment to be a part of. And even just as another side note about God's planning, I feel like it's so cool that you know maybe even for a little while we're going to be engaging with our our messages and weekend services online and how cool that what could be more engaging than half of the sermon being functionally a movie. You know what I mean? Like not to say that you're not interesting, but like it is definitely cool to be watching a movie instead of just kind of like 30 minutes of normal preaching online. No, I totally agree. Online stream is a unique thing and it's, it's hard to keep people's attentions with their kids and everything. And man, we got footage from Israel. I just think that's amazing. Drew and Connor and Meg just make it, make the stories come alive. So shout out to them as well. 
Absolutely. I loved, I loved as, as I was watching on Sunday, the, um, the water was so stinking calm. I just kept laughing about a few things. One, how perfectly that illustrated when Jesus said, peace, be still. It was like, oh, it probably looked exactly like this. But I was also laughing about how it didn't at all illustrate what the storm would have looked like. It was like, I'm having a hard time picturing this right now because it looks literally like glass. <laughs> I know, Aaron, wasn't your job responsibility during that shoot to throw water on me like a storm? Well, yeah, but like I was doing my best to try to make you make sense over here. So (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. Um, So anyway, talk us uh, through some more components of this, some things that, I don't know, kind of blow my mind about this story. How is Jesus sleeping? Like what in the world is that about? Yeah, I I wish I knew. Um, I don't know how he is sleeping in that storm. One, sleeping while getting wet. Like one of the best ways to wake somebody up when they're sleeping is to throw water on them. I know that's like a cliche in every movie, like throw a bucket of water on them. Right. And so like the scriptures say the, 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 the waves are like crashing over the boat. And so I don't know how he's sleeping. Like, it's just amazing. It's, it's almost a miracle in itself. Like how in the world? And I just think God knows, like it just shows you this. Again, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. I mean, man, he was not afraid. He was not shocked by this storm and he could rest because he knew what, who was, you know, his dad was. And I just think it gives you a beautiful picture of Jesus in, in the craziness of life. Yet at the same time, uh, I loved how you brought this out that Jesus, he was sleeping, but then once he is woken, awoken, awaked, done, waked up, once he woke up, <laughs> I think the last one, I think the last one is correct. Done, yes, waked, done up. waked up. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes. Once he is awake, <laughs> he steps right into action and decisive action. You know what I mean? So, because I think it'd be easy to think, oh, well, see, Jesus is just sleeping in a storm. So when hard times come, we just should trust in God and do nothing. And that is true at some level, but it's not the whole picture because Jesus snaps into action. So tell us a little bit about like how Jesus illustrates the tension between trust and action. Yeah, I think he shows us exactly what it should look like. I think the trust of man, God's got this, but also like I've got to do my part when I'm needed, man, I step up and I take responsibility for what I can do. And I think what's interesting about this story is, is, I don't know the exact answer to this, but how many other times in the gospels is Jesus mentioned sleeping? Like, think about that for, think about that for a second. You know, a lot of scriptures say Jesus had no place to lay his head. He was so busy, you know, when he did have time to himself, what was he doing? Week one, he was depending on his father. And yet of the examples in the Bible where Jesus is sleeping, it's the most awkward, weird time to show us what we should look like in the storm. And I just think that's really cool. Like you don't see, you don't catch Jesus sleeping unintentionally very much anywhere in the Bible. Yeah. The one time we get a glimpse of it, it's in a spot that makes no sense. And it's illustrating the, it's illustrating the point so well. Another fascinating element of this was, um, you talked about how he said, peace, be still or quiet, be still. And, um, those were words used in other passages related to demons. We, when we were doing kind of the research process together, that was a new insight to me. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Again, this is, you know, what a lot of scholars believe is, you know, the actual storm wasn't, you know, 
nature, God, you know, just a normal, like, hey, weather hitting, you know, the cold weather hitting the warm water and creating a, a natural storm. It was, you know, the enemy looking down at Jesus, seeing, hey, he's growing in popularity, knowing why he's here. And hey, he's got to do whatever he can to get rid of Jesus, to try to keep Jesus from going to the cross. And hey, he's in a small boat. Let's let's produce a storm and let's try to take Jesus out. And I just thought that was a cool look at the at the story. I, I never really really thought about that very much. Like, man, the enemy is doing whatever he can to take Jesus out. And and he does the same thing in our lives, doesn't he? Like the same thing he did for Jesus, he's going to do to you and I. I mean, coronavirus is an example of this. He's going to try to throw a storm at us to remove our faith, to remove our trust in God, to help us panic and fear. And, you know, the enemy does the same things to all of us. And I think that's, again, a a beautiful picture of how we should react to the storm, how we should trust and continue to do the things that we can. But the enemy's tactics don't change, even for Jesus. Yeah, and actually that's a little bit of a preview to what's coming next week because next week is all about Jesus's temptation and his interaction with the enemy coming after him, trying to get him right at the start of his ministry to abandon what God has sent him to do. And so I'm looking forward to hearing you talk more about that and how those tactics still apply to us today, for sure. Uh, By the way, Aaron, I threw that hook out there for you to take it. I can't see you. I can't nod like, yeah, run with it. Well played, bro. Well played. Wow, dude, I can't. I have a blanket over my head. I have headphones on. <laughs> I'm freezing cold and we're we're still vibing. I like it. You don't have a fever though, do you? Wow. Um you went right for that question. Uh, I wasn't planning to tell everyone this, but now that we're recording, I um no, I don't have any. I don't have a fever. I don't have a fever. I just had you so nervous though. Yes, you did. I'm sure all <laughs> Everybody was biting their nails. Yeah, they were all like, I bet he's about to announce that he has the... Okay, I should not be making fun of that. Okay, moving on, new topic. (laughs) All right. Um, Oh yeah, here's my next question. Why do we... In the message, I loved how you said that faith is not a one-time thing. It's a journey of discovering who God is, which I thought was so profound at multiple levels. But why do we tend to think of faith as a one-time thing? Why Why is it that we think it's just a moment? I think it's because of the salvation process. Um, the way God chose to allow us to step into a relationship with him is through faith. And I think we take that moment and we believe when we place our faith and trust in what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and through his resurrection, we have faith and it, there it is. It's it, we got faith. And I think we just, we, we fail to understand that, man, that is the beginning of the journey, not the full journey in itself. And, you know, throughout my life, my faith is like a roller coaster. You know, it's an up and down experience, but the more I spend time in my Bible experiencing and understanding who God is, the more my faith is stretched. And I feel like, you know, with all that's going on right now in our world, I feel like, you know, following Jesus for, you know, over 25 years, I feel like even now my faith can still be stretched and I'm still on a journey of understanding the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God, even in the midst of what doesn't look good. And God is still expanding my faith in him. I love that because the disciples, you see that and in their reaction of saying like, who is this? The, even the wind and the waves obey him. And the question, who is this, just sounds ridiculous 
coming from the disciples. Like, you know who he is. You're friends with him. Like, why are you wondering who he is? And I don't think it's a question genuinely of like, I legit have no idea who this person's identity is. It's more like, is this for real right now? Like, who is this guy? Not about his actual identity, but more about his capacity. And they were in that moment introduced to a new level of his capacity and it blew them away and it stretched their faith. And that's what happens in our lives too. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I've known this stuff, but I, that doesn't mean that I've experienced it in a way that it has led me to faith. I might've just known it in my head. Right. And think about like, think about all the things that happen in our lives. I think of sports, like when we see someone hit like a half court or a full court shot, we're like, oh my word, did we just see this? The disciples got to see that in Jesus in in a way bigger way where they saw that him, you know, calm a storm with three words. Like we judge the disciples, but man, I, I would be like, who the heck is this guy? Like, did that just happen? They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him, he- people, you know, s- what we would in our, in a, in our culture, in a wheelchair standing that never walked blind people seeing like, man, you want to know how stretching of their faith that would have been to walk through all of that. I mean, it's incredible. And I often am like, come on disciples. Like seriously, you should know who this is, but it's, it's so true in my life. I do the exact same things. Yeah. You talked about how our fear gets out of hand when the situation is out of our hands and mentioned that that really comes down to control. Um, and I kind of had a question about that because I think a personality like mine or a personality like yours, we're both pretty high control. Like I'm high control out of fear. You're high control out of desire. I feel like, I don't know if that's fair. You, you like leading and being out like in, in charge, not in a bad way, but you like being in the driver's seat. I like being in control cause I'm just terrified of everything. And so I'm just trying to control the world. Um, but, uh, what about people who aren't like that? They're not wired with a personality toward control. Why is it that fear still strikes when something's out of their hands? It's because we can't do anything about it. Hmm. You know, no one likes to be in a situation where they can't at some level help the problem or be the solution to the problem. Um, the disciples are a great example of this is, you know, they're in the boat and they want to get the water out and get to shore, I'm sure. And that's what they're trying to do. But it's not until they, when they realize that they can't, they can't fix the problem that they lose that control. And man, when you, when you're not in control of something, not even just like, it's beyond like desire or fear. It's just like, helplessness like Hmm. i can't do anything like that is an awful feeling yeah i guess that's true about like that's a universal human emotion it's not a personality based thing to say that that um helplessness is not enjoyable (laughs) i guess that's true and it, it goes back to i think week one of this series of like dependence when you don't have control it forces you i mean we don't like to depend on somebody when we have a choice when you when you lose control, it forces you to depend on someone. And when it's God, you know, that's hard for people because one, like we don't get to see God. We can't see him moving at times. And it's like, okay, are you doing anything? And it creates fear in us because we don't have control and we cannot see. Hmm. Two of the scariest things probably in life. I can't see what's happening and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. So we've 
you know, mentioned it quite a few times that you're in a personal season that of loss and hurting and feeling out of control with the, with the death of your dad. Um, but then there's a sense in which our entire country and world has been thrust into a, a similar, I hate to compare cause it's not compare, doesn't compare, but at the same time, a similar situation of helplessness and fear and, um, through this coronavirus. So what, what are you learning with the convergence of those two things in your life? It feels like you're are well suited to be learning things and to be teaching us as a, you know, as a church, what are you learning at a personal level through the death of your dad followed immediately by the coronavirus? Um, I would say I'm learning two things really, really strongly. Um, the first one I'm, I'm reali- realizing and learning is how real the peace <laughs> that God gives you. Hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've read that verse so many times. I've preached that verse so many times and, you know, it's not until you're in a situation where it's chaos and you're hurting that you really sense that peace. And man, that verse has become alive in my heart because it's weird. Like I don't like what happened and I, you know, it's hard and it's, it's, it's almost like not real for me yet, but I just have this sense of peace, um, and comfort. And, uh, yeah, it's man, that, that verse is real and it's alive. If you know Christ, he does give you peace and I can't explain it to you. Again, the verse says it's unexplainable peace. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try. I think the second thing I'm learning is, uh, to ask for help and to lean on others. Again, I said it in my message. I really don't like to ask for help. I don't. Um, I feel awkward when people are helping me because I want to help others. And, uh, man, I've just felt so loved through this journey with my dad. I mean, people have been making us meals for months and, um, I've gotten cards and I think God's teaching me humility, uh, just that you, you can't, you can't go through this on your own, Drew. Like you can't, you can't, and you're going to need people and you have to allow people to love you and care for you. And I think those are the two lessons I'm, I'm learning the strongest right now. Thanks for sharing those. And I'm, encouraged to hear you you know we just talked about how faith is a journey and as as time goes on we see more of who god is you said you've preached the verse about peace and now you're believing it and experiencing it in a new way that's a perfect illustration of how faith is a journey and you it's not that you didn't believe in that verse before but you didn't believe in it like you do now you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah yeah god just knows what you need and (laughs) Faith is humbling. And sometimes it's, you know, as a pastor, you're, you're supposed to know all this, but in all reality, um, I don't. And I have to, I learn the same way everybody else does is man, you go through experiences in life where God's like, Hey, you, you need this. This will make you a better pastor to care for people better, to love people better, to teach people better. And, um, unfortunately I didn't want to experience it this way, but that's what God chose. And you know, Hmm. my faith is exploding. So in the midst of this, uh, as a country and specifically for us as a church um, here in Rochester, how does someone choose trust over fear right now in a very fearful and panic oriented scenario? And I'm asking this question, recognizing that it has a degree of risk to it because you're offering advice that is health related and we're not medical professionals. I'm not 
an epidemiologist or an immunologist or whatever the big words are. I probably just made those up. I hope those are right. Somebody Google this. Connor, will you please Google that so that I'm not so embarrassed? But um, in the midst <laughs> of this, how would you, obviously there's risk, but what advice would you offer to someone so that our church can choose trust over fear? Yeah, I think number one, I think prayer. Um, I think when you choose to go to God with this situation, um, you know, we go back to the idea of control. Um, when we don't have control, we feel helpless, but you're never fully helpless, helpless with God because you can go to him at any point in any time. And I think when you, tr- you trust God by leaning on him and going to him. And so like, first thing I would say is, man, we should be on our knees every morning. We should be praying for all the medical professionals that are having to deal with this for the pharmacist. Like I have a pharmacist, John McDonald in my group and man, things are busy and crazy for them. They're trying to get people their prescriptions. It's a slow down time. So like, I just don't think we often think through the lens of our world, but man, there's so much more that's going on right now. And let's pray for those people. I think um, we trust, choose trust by, you know, asking our, our local government people, our churches, how can we help in this, in this situation. Like, again, trust depends on something. So we're going to depend on uh, the people who know what they're doing for advice and for guidance, but we're also going to do something, you know, and whether that's write letters to people in uh, the nursing homes who can't have visitors or, you know, whether that's get supplies and hand them. I just think we trust by going to God and doing our part. Again, I would listen to the advice of local government, state and federal governments. I think we have to heed and be careful. We need to wash our hands. Um, but also I think we don't panic. Um, we relax. Um, we realize that, man, if, if you go through the two thousands, there's been, kind of something similar to this. I think of Y2K, (laughs) you know, like everybody was like, oh, the world's going to blow up. And yeah, we just trust God. Like he's got this, he knows this and our peace relies in him, but let's pray. Let's be wise and let's do something uh, in the, in the midst of the storm. I think those are good words of advice and I thank you for that. Again, we're going to be speaking more directly to this um, in a more official capacity from our church to the people of our church related to the action steps we're taking. Um, But thank you for that personal advice, especially for you right now, Drew, as you're going through it. I appreciate it. And um, for our people, um, thanks guys for listening in. And again, keep posted for some more info. And of course, join us next Sunday, whether your groups are joining virtually or whatever you guys are doing there. And then um, join us next Sunday for the stream. But um, I'm sure we'll be, you'll be hearing more from us as we all try to wade through this together. We're praying for all of you. Let's be the hands and feet of Christ in this time.